0: is not a sin, Harry, but you should exercise course. He's a strand. You'll fertilize him with the enemy. There's the, um, the cruciatus curse. We'll celebrate a boy who is kind and honest and brave and true right to the very end.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. We're doing Chapter 7, Bagman and Crouch. Julie's back with us. Hi everybody. And uh, this is a loaded chapter, which is odd. And I think you mentioned it in our post-production of last, but some of these chapters are like, nothing really happens except everything happens. Yeah. I feel like this is one of those chapters too. It's
0: like nothing happens, but there's so many like details and information that you just need to, like, grab onto that don't seem important at all? Yep.
1: There's a lot. So, essentially, this is going to be a very brief rundown on the chapter, because essentially this chapter is them getting to their tent, or tents, and then setting those up, and the trio go exploring the campgrounds and run into certain people and they have certain conversations and then basically it, it just ends with the lighting of the path to the stadium and they're gonna go to the game. So I mean that's essentially the, the rundown. But uh we have to to begin this whole thing off, Arthur attempting to pay for the campsite. And you think, well that's not hard to do, right? Except a muggle is running the campsite like this is a muggle campsite.
0: I'm so confused by this because throughout the entire chapter, they constantly talk about how they don't want the muggles to notice, which makes sense. Like And the last
1: chapter, the portkey, yeah, was all about
0: how, disguising
1: how they're getting there.
0: Yes, yeah. and so it seems so odd to me that then for the campgrounds, you would use a muggle campground and the person who owns, runs, whatever you want to call it, the campground, is still going to be there working? Like, why not use some type of like memory charm to be like, you have to go on vacation for three weeks. And you just pay for the vacation because everyone's gonna be bringing in the money anyway. It seems so weird to me that like, they just went, you know what, instead we're gonna have a wizard assigned to every muggle who is just gonna wipe their memory anytime they're a problem.
1: I feel so bad these ministry officials that have to cover this massive campground that has thousands upon thousands of wizards descending upon it and have to, like, rule check everything? Why didn't Percy volunteer for this job? (laughs) This is the perfect job for Percy. I'm sure
0: he did. And they were like, oh, yeah, sorry. Who are you? Yeah, right. But, I mean, at the same
1: time, he'd be like, if I'm a senior ministry official, I don't want to be doing that job. I want to enjoy it. So, like, get the new guy to do this. True. Get the new guy to do this part. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So he pays for Muggle, uh, pays for the campsite with Muggle money. Um, Mr. Roberts, God bless Mr. Roberts. He <sighs> did man. such a good job, and he was on top of his game, clearly with it, because he's noticing that things are a little weird. People try to keep paying him with great big gold coins, uh, so much so that he needs memory modification. 10 times a day.
0: Which, again, like, one, can we talk about the, like, cruelty there? Like, I would have to think that after a certain number of memory charms, like, your mind is, like, actually messed with beyond just...
1: That's the same thought I had.
0: ...that period. And so, like, the level of, like, cruelty there when, like, you're out of the reign of Voldemort... Like, I get it if it was back when, like, Voldemort was still at large and, you know, don't even look at a muggle in a nice way. But, like, when you're in this post-Voldemort world, like, you're erasing this poor man's memory every 10 minutes just because he realizes that the money is different. Also, is there no currency exchange in the, in the wizarding world?
1: Yeah, as you get people coming in You should probably set something up like that. That'd be
0: very easy to do. Because I, like, which also makes me wonder is, like, so does every wizarding country have different wizarding money?
1: I would assume so, yeah.
0: So, like, you'd think you'd have to, quote-unquote, exchange your money anyway, so why not just say, get your money exchanged for muggle money? It's like when you travel internationally, like, if you're going to... London, you don't go, hey, here's my American dollar. No, you go to a currency exchange.
1: And honestly, practically, it'd be another way for them to make money on this thing, because they can control the exchange rate and then get a And get none it of the
0: witches and wizards care about anything having to do with muggles anyway, so they won't look up what the actual exchange rate is.
1: Yep. It's, uh, it's a <coughs> scam waiting to happen. Clearly, we should run <laughs> this no, section of the We should.
0: <laughs> We'd be rich. <laughs> uh,
1: but no, I agree with you. Like, Has someone done research on how many memory charms... Or if memory charms alone can, like, permanently mess with your head. Because I feel like that would be a necessary thing to do. I mean,
0: we know that memory charms can mess with your head when you...
1: Had Lockhart, yeah. Yeah,
0: when you look at Lockhart. But, like, it makes me wonder if they don't really think about it. Because they're like, oh, it's only if they start getting suspicious that we do it. And it just so happens that poor Mr. Roberts is very quick on the uptake.
1: We meet uh, a couple of ministry officials, and one of them happens to deal with this, but we meet Cuthbert Mockridge, head of the Goblin Liaison Office, (laughs) which, just cool. Gilbert Wimple is such a wizard name. Committee on Experimental Charms.
0: Who has horns.
1: Who has horns. uh, One can assume from an experimental charm. Uh, You have Arnold Peasgood, who is such, this is such a cool job title. Obliviator. That is such a cool <laughs> job title. I, I understand that it's. He's literally going to Mr. Roberts and modifying his memory. Like Obliviate his, his, his memory. memory. But if I had a little like name tag that said Dan Obliviator, I'd, I'd be rocking that everywhere. That'd be such I'll make a one cool. for you. Thank you. That would be such <laughs> a cool title to have. And completely out of context. But he's part of the member, uh, he's a member for the Magical Reversal Squad. And then we get Bode and Croker, uh, Croker is a weird name, uh, that are unspeakables for the Department of Mysteries, which Arthur does not go into a lot of detail. Bum, bum, bum. Yep.
0: But we will in the spoilers. But we will in the spoilers, <laughs> section. Yes,
1: we will. Uh, but then, then there's Ludo Bagman, who's the head of magical uh, games and sport. And he is a certain kind of vibe.
0: <laughs> because
1: That's way to put it he's a vibe uh, <laughs> which they had talked about in previous chapters you know Percy's not exactly sold on him Arthur is very non-committal but seems to like him he's the reason they got these tickets um, so Ludo is a little lax on security as we've mentioned the whole muggle campground thing and they're trying their darndest to <laughs> restrict the magic being used on this campground and they're failing spectacularly. Uh, yeah. It's really hard to do. Uh, everything from uh, kids ri- riding around their tents in little toy brooms to, like, full-blown firework sparks. So it's hard. Um, but Ludo does not seem to help them in any way, shape, or form. And I think you had a note about his apparel.
0: Yes. I think it's so. it says so much about him as, like, A person that he came to the quidditch world cup in his old quidditch robes when his team is not in the final of the quidditch world cup so it's not like you were like oh it's my old team i'm wearing it let's go like you just clearly wanted to like relive your glory days which i also makes me think that His role at the ministry was not one that he actively sought out. I think that with him being lax on security, him, you know, strutting around in his too tight Quidditch (laughs) robes, I think to me it screams like he retired from Quidditch Mm -hmm. and needed money. And so he needed a job, but needed something that, you know... Played to his strengths that were only Quidditch, I'm guessing.
1: I think he truly loves his job. I don't know how serious he is. Like, I feel like his assistants need to be like...
0: That's what I'm saying, is I think that, like, he... Someone probably approached him with the job, and he was like, Hold on, I get to run the World Cup? Yep. Sold. Yep. And that he just, like, takes it for a joyride. It's clearly, like, the stunt, like, you know, stunt casting, if you will.
1: <laughs> so, as you alluded to, he was, uh, he was a beater, actually, for the England team and the Wimborne Wasps, which was his professional team. He was wearing the Wasp uniform, the black and the mm-hmm. yellow stripes. Um, curious, at the World Cup, he went with his club team and not his national team. It might have something to do with what Charlie told us about England getting smoked in one of the previous (laughs) rounds. Maybe he doesn't want to rep the red and white England robes, but who knows?
0: So instead, you still rep a team that is not currently competing.
1: That is correct. Uh, Yeah. He's an interesting dude. And then you see a difference between uh, him and Percy's idol uh, to almost an unhealthy level, Uh, Mr. Crouch, who uh, is... On the lookout for Ludo Bagman as Bagman has just basically sat in on the Weasley campsite and just been like let's just chat and talk and hang out. Uh, Not to mention I'm running this whole thing but you know I'm just gonna sit and chill and have a spot of tea.
0: Sounds like most people who are running things.
1: Yeah that's probably true. Um, But Mr. Crouch comes in and there's a lot to note about Mr. Crouch. Uh, Two things we just spoke about hiding things from muggles and uh, I think in the in the pre-prep here we talked about like just muggle dressing, <laughs> and how it's seemingly so difficult for adults in the wizarding world to figure this out. Well, Mr. Crouch is wearing like a really nice tailored suit that Harry points out could just, he could walk into a bank and be a teller there. He could just be a bank manager, which anywhere. is
0: an odd outfit to wear when you're at a campground. But you know what? At least he's wearing an actual muggle outfit.
1: Yes. So
0: He did his research, unlike everyone else (laughs) at this campground.
1: (laughs) So, okay, so I'll let you inside to our conversations pre-recording when we were talking about, like, the kids seem to do a pretty decent job. So at what point do you suddenly forget how to dress like a muggle?
0: (laughs) I don't know. I feel like it just can't be that hard. Like, I'm just thinking if you were to walk into Target, and go into the clothing section. Like, it clearly says, you know, women's, children's, men's, and it's not like it's that hard to go, oh, bottom,
1: top. Well, you see, you would think that, Julie. (laughs) You would think that, but we literally have an exact example of someone walking into a department store and clearly buying women's clothes when he is, in fact a man, and I believe they described it as a flowered nightdress. Yes. Because, and I quote, he liked the way the air feels going past his, I'm I'm paraphrasing now, (laughs) but past his privates is essentially what he said. And he said the word privates, that is a quote. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm like, and, and Hermione goes off giggling, and I'm like, this is ridiculous, right? Although,
0: like, it makes you wonder if part of it is... You walk in and you know that you have to, like, dress in a way that you're not used to and that you don't necessarily want to dress. And then you're like, hold up, that looks comfy. Sold.
1: Get a kilt, I guess? I don't know. But there's another person wearing a kilt and a poncho combo. So (laughs) I give up at some point. Although at least the,
0: I guess, the thing that you can say for the nightgown and the kilt and poncho combo is those two outfits are probably also the closest two robes
1: yeah so some i had a bunch of questions about wizard wear but that's okay uh the other cool thing about mr crouch before we get away from mr crouch it's noted that he speaks there's dispute here so between 150 and 200 languages that's insane that's superhuman and some of those languages include murmish troll and my favorite word gobbledygook
0: that sounds like God something Dumbledore. that Dumbledore made up. Like that's <laughs> like the, like in Dumbledore's list of accomplishments, it is creator of the language Gobbledegook.
1: <laughs> no, but one hundred and fifty, two hundred languages. That's nuts. Yeah.
0: I just don't know how you store all of that information in your brain, like to, to full fluent, languages. Yeah,
1: to be fluent, and I mean, you're thinking like they're probably give or take 200 countries in the world and I get countries have different dialects within them and such but that's a lot of languages and he mentions some of the conversations that he's been having as he mentions Ali Bashir uh, has an issue with Arthur about carpets being defined as muggle artifacts by the registry of prescribed charmable objects and I'm reading this just like all these department names sound just Percy (laughs) Like over-necessarily
0: <laughs> bureaucratic,
1: but anyway, I digress on that, but it was uh he wants to get flying carpets into Britain, because and he
0: thinks they'd make a great family vehicle,
1: which crouch is not against. He's like, honestly, my family had a flying carpet legally,
0: Dan they legally. had it legally it
1: was before the the motion was made, but he said they fit like twelve
0: or something like that, yeah. Which then begs the question, so how do most families travel then? And
1: I assume it's people? by car. I assume it's by magic because yeah. magically extended cars. Like how they have done it uh, before with Arthur renting a car from the ministry mm, and then just yeah. extending it out. Um, which that magic we can get to in a second with a tense. Uh, but yeah, so um, all I could think about was Aladdin. And is Aladdin Harry Potter canon? I'm making it my head canon.
0: No. I'm, I'm here for it. Aladdin is my all all-time favorite movie. So. so
1: is Jafar then the Voldemort of the Middle East? <laughs> <laughs> like, how does that work? Side tangent. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> this is going to be an episode at some point.
1: <laughs> is Jafar the Voldemort yep. <laughs> of the Middle East? Fair enough.
0: Put it on the schedule, Dan.
1: <laughs> Got you. That was a side tangent I did not see coming. All right.
0: There'll be a whole new world.
1: Well played. (laughs) Well played. Uh, So we mentioned it, uh, or I mentioned it just a second ago with the extension magic. Well, we get a little bit of that here with the tents. When uh, they walk up to their tent and they're putting it together, Harry and Hermione are putting it together because the rest of them have no idea how this goes. They put the tents together and... They walk in, and Harry's like, wait, we're about to have, like, ten people. How are ten people going to fit in these two relatively small tents? And he walks in, and this thing is, it's like a three-bedroom flat, I believe is how he described Mm it. And it's got a kitchen, it's got a bathroom, it's got the whole thing. I would, I I, I mentioned, like, hashtag glamping is what they're really doing. I'm here
0: for it. I don't camp, Dan. Camping is not my thing, but I am 100% on board for glamping. So
1: this is an okay tent for you.
0: I mean, I think so. I mean, some of Your the Your husband was like, have... "Hey, we're
1: going camping this weekend. We got a tent." You're hoping this is the tent, right? <laughs> if
0: this is the tent I'm on board. Okay. If it's a normal tent, it's not happening. But I mean, the tents around here have like peacocks and fountains one and of them is like,
1: three stories tall yeah, With I'm turrets, sure that.
0: yes <laughs> it has
1: turrets julie are there like
0: that is tent, my kind of camping are
1: there tent wars
0: that are happening in this camp yes there is they literally talk about how um arthur says you know when we all get together we can't help but showing up oh my
1: gosh this is why
0: again it brings us back to like why did they bother using A muggle site and leaving the muggles there. If they know that this always happens, it's not like this is the first World Cup. Mm -hmm. Like, if they know that this always happens, why would they even try to stop it? Just put up some, like, magical protection spell around it so that muggles don't see it or they, you know. They have to walk
1: away suddenly when they
0: come near it. And then just let it go. Two Disney references in one (laughs) I'm not roll today. Uh,
1: so Mr. Weasley uh, notices that, or he notes that it was given to him from uh, by Perkins at the office, who doesn't do a whole lot of camping anymore. But he's very, very excited, bless him, about muggle camping. Like, he wants to do everything the legitimate way.
0: <laughs> yes, you can't use magic to set up the tents, which, Correct. like...
1: Or make the fire, Yeah, the or make
0: the fire, or use the oven inside of the tent. You can't use that because that's not what the muggles do.
1: <laughs> so they send <laughs> Harry and uh, Ron and Hermione to go get water uh, after they set up the girls' tent. So Ginny and Hermione have their own smaller tent. And they go on this winding tour of the campsite, which offers so much little detailed information. Everything from um, Harry having this, like, almost profound experience when he realizes, like, oh, wait, there's more wizards in the world than just England. There's Mm -hmm. more wizards in the world. There's more schools, probably, than that means. There's more... um, uh, Quidditch teams, schools, all of that. And he's noticing like some African wizards. He's noticing some American witches that have the Salem Witches Institute banner across their tents, uh, which is awesome. Uh, They're noticing a bunch of shamrock-covered tents. Uh, The Bulgarian tents are just covered in crumb posters, who's their phenomenal seeker. They run into uh, Seamus, Dean, Ernie, and Cho, not all together, uh, in their wanderings. They run into all of them. And uh, they also run into Oliver Wood, who immediately introduces his parents to Harry Potter, as you do.
0: Which is adorable. It's
1: adorable. And he notes that he's playing, or he's been picked up by Puddlemere United as part of their reserve team. Which I think he had a note on that.
0: Yeah, I. so here's my question. We don't really get the full detail of how many wizarding schools there are. Yes. Um, I feel like in the earlier books, it's like... Yeah, there's other schools. Mm-hmm. I can maybe name one. And then like now obviously you're seeing that like you're getting more of an international view of the wizarding community. And but what I want to know is how many wizarding schools are there and how hard is it to go pro? Because already four books in, we've met a lot of people who played and just went pro.
1: Yeah. And um... there's not a
0: lot of people on each quidditch team.
1: So I imagine there are a lot of pro-Quidditch teams across the world, Yeah, I'd assume. Just like soccer teams across this world, or football teams. I am so sorry to our listeners from Europe. I meant football, not soccer. I'm recording this in America. My bad. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, so there are plenty of football teams around the world. We just hear a lot of, like, the Hollyhead Harpies and whatever. So, yeah, you hear a lot about the Britain teams. And Puddle near United being one. And he's not even part of the team. He's part of the reserve team. So yeah. it's not like, like call-ups if there's injuries, I'm assuming, or something like that.
0: He's still on he's still the on team, it. though.
1: And you have Krum playing for Bulgaria, <clears throat> and he's mentioned to be roughly 18 here. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and that's a young kid playing for a national team in the World Cup final. Yeah. So that's remarkable. Uh, to your point, though, I did see a graphic fairly recently. And I'll post the graphic to our Instagram and our Twitter, so you can kind of see it. But it does list out some of the uh, the schools across the world. And someone that was posting it mentioned that there's a little bit of an oddity in that Hogwarts, for example, is the United Kingdom in Ireland. That's like the region for Hogwarts, right? Mm-hmm. And then Durmstrang is actually a big part of Europe. Like most of Europe. Except for like bobans which is like france but it also gets parts of like spain and portugal so there's like a mixture of people there and then you get like there's a russian school there's a japanese school obviously we we know from the the movies ilvermoni or however you pronounce that word from north america Mm -hmm. but that's north america it's not just the united states it's canada too and then it breaks down africa gets like Literally from, like, Egypt south is all, like, one school. Which is a little weird, because there's a massive population in there. Well, like, and that's
0: what I'm saying, is, like, you know, if there's only 20 schools yeah. in the whole world, and all of them have at least two Quidditch teams, because you have to play against somebody. Sure. Like, that's a pretty small pot, Sure. pick from and we have already heard of quite a few people who have gone on to play professionally from hogwarts and we know of some that will play professionally in the future yep but like i'm just wondering like is this actually impressive or is it like oh you decided to be a professional athlete instead of working at the ministry yeah Ta-da, here's your jersey good <laughs> luck
1: yeah i think it's I think there's a wide enough, I think there's a wide enough net. It's kind of like Harry here. It's like you're starting to realize like, oh, this wizarding world is a lot bigger than just Hogwarts. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot more comprehensive and inclusive than what we all kind of figured prior to these couple of chapters about the World Cup, where you are starting to broaden your, your mind. of like, oh wait, there's a lot. So wait, I live in america i can go to an american wizarding school that makes sense that there would be one why did i never think of that until like this chapter (laughs) you know things like that um i don't know it's just kind of kind of cool how that all kind of worked out um before we get to the spoiler section um i just wanted to take a note on ludo bagman when he's at the weasleys tent and I feel as though as the man that's running this entire event and responsible for the organization and security of the event, you shouldn't be gambling on said <laughs> event that you're running. <laughs> I feel like that is inherently illegal. But it whatever.
0: could be legal. I mean, he's writing it all down.
1: If you're the organizing the event you can't bet on the event though right
0: like that's highly i mean it seems weird that you would be betting on it and running
1: that's what i'm saying like someone could if i was ireland or bulgaria and the other team won i would go to little bagman and say we heard you were taking bets on this Mm -hmm. what's to say that like oh you bet against us why didn't you, like, maybe orchestrate something to throw this game? You know, whatever. You're the one organizing the event.
0: <laughs> which I would also bring up, which is actually a nice segue into the Twins bet. Yes. On um, how they feel the World Cup will
1: They pooled end. their money together. 37 galleons, 15 sickles, 3 nuts. On Ireland to win, but Crumb gets a snitch.
0: Like, what? An... Odd set of circumstances to put your entire life savings on.
1: That's a heck of a parlay.
0: Like, you are saying, yes, we think that Ireland is going to win, but that the other team is going to end the game while they are losing.
1: Yeah, that's a big bet. So we hear a little bit, we've only heard a little bit of the scouting report on these teams. hmm We've heard that Crum is a sensational seeker. And we've heard that Ireland is probably the best all-around team in the world. So you get Arthur betting a galleon on Ireland to win. Stunning. Um, And here, I think you're betting... You're literally betting betting on Ireland to rack up the score so outrageously much that Crum in his competitiveness is just like, fine. You know, whatever. You're asking
0: him to throw in the towel
1: yes literally and you're betting on that you're not betting on him now you have the best seeker in the world supposedly what's stopping him from getting the cinch in 15 minutes and ending this thing like 150 to 10
0: or (laughs) like like, what's stopping him from knowing that he'll spot it again and purposely trying to trick ireland seeker so that you know his teammates can help rack up the points maybe yep
1: so if I hear that Ireland is a better overall team than, than Bulgaria, I might be betting on goals scored. I might be betting on, like, over-unders, things like that, total points scored, all those kinds of things. Uh, but, yeah, this is a very specific parlay that you're, you're hoping hits. But Ludobagman is much more all for the Twins bet than he is for <laughs> of our Of course twins he bet. is!
0: It's the most ridiculous bet that he's placed.
1: So, well, I'm sure they bet on some crazy stuff.
0: Okay, but like... I'm sure they bet
1: on some mess. I feel like
0: this has got to be one, though, that when you hear the amount and what they're betting will happen, and that they're teenagers, and I'm sure you know the, Weasley's twin, the Weasley twins' reputation, that you're sitting there going, this is the easiest money I've made.
1: Well, honestly, this is a massive bet for the twins. Yeah. But honestly, I bet you this isn't the biggest bet Ludo's... Taken or placed on this.
0: Well, but I think it's the biggest bet where he saw the outcome.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, probably.
0: Like, if I heard that bet, I'd be like, yeah, sure, I'll take your money. I'll keep it nice and warm in my pocket forever.
1: Well, we get a good glimpse of how much 37 Galleons really is when they're off buying souvenirs. Yes. And obviously the twins can't buy anything because they just literally gave up their life savings. And... You know, they're coming across all this cool stuff. I don't know how I would feel about a miniature, like, Victor Crumb in my hand, (laughs) skulking around. I
0: mean, it's got to be kind of like an action figure, except it moves. moves.
1: Which would be cool, and I want all of the MCU Marvel
0: ones.
1: (laughs) That would be awesome. You wouldn't need imagination at that point. You could just literally put them down and be like, okay, we're
0: doing Endgame again. Go ahead. (laughs) And go. Hold on. Let me send the new script.
1: (laughs) Yeah. oh wow that now that's all I can think about anyway um, yeah so you have the Victor Chrome Ron buys a little Victor Chrome figurine who is disgusted by all of the other Irish stuff that Ron has already purchased (laughs) and here he comes across Omnioculars which offers not only the binocular feature where you can actually look in on play from far away but it also (laughs) offers slow motion replay and play by play commentary this is the best invention ever yeah
0: uh they are the coolest thing ever um dan you know me i'm not a sports person and okay
1: you take these to uh I would... book of mormon play <laughs> <laughs> or like that's
0: what i'm saying though is that like take it I'm to wicked not, this weekend i am not a sports person at all but thousand percent would buy a pair yeah, I, this... whether it's to like take it to like a Broadway show or a movie or, you know what, just people watching. I feel like these would be great for people watching. Some
1: guy trips on a banana (laughs) peel. You just replay that, (laughs) replay it. Uh, It's a great invention. I would gladly play ten galleons for it. It was ten galleons. Harry buys one for the three of them. Uh, Each. Yeah, each. So Hermione and Ron gets one. Ron's very ashamed about it. He's like, I, I don't feel comfortable with that big of a gift. And he's like, well, it's the next 10 Christmases. You won't get anything from me. <laughs> Which is probably def- definitely going to be a lie. I'm sure there's... But
0: there's still going to be something. There's going to be something. I feel like every time you tell someone like, oh yeah, no, that's your Christmas present. It's your birthday present. Like you still buy them something. Something. Yeah. Um, but I feel like this also begs the question of how much money is Harry carrying around with him on a daily basis? Like... He has 30 galleons just ready to go. It's not like there's a wizarding credit card or debit card that he can just swipe. Like, he has to go to Gringotts, get the money, and just carry it.
1: I feel like there should be, like, a Disney band where you just go up and you just, like... you <laughs> <And> just tap <laughs> it. <laughs> just tap it. Drains your Gringotts like, account.
0: I, I'm just wondering, like, how much is he carrying in his pockets that he was able to just go like yep here's 30 galleons and still have money for whatever else food drinks to other yeah.
1: souvenirs yeah uh there's that and then you get this description i think ludo bagman says the description where galleons the size of like hud caps
0: so that was mr roberts when he was talking oh, about right. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. the weird currency he just he likened them to the size of hubcaps, which I'm sure coming from a muggle is a over-exaggeration. Probably a
1: little bit of an over-exaggeration.
0: But, I mean, if you're thinking even them as, I don't know, like the like silver dollar coins in the yeah. US, like that's still heavy when you are thinking like 30 of them.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's-
0: I've And bulky. I mean I mean, I know you get like the charm. extendable charms yeah, and such but... like
1: that, but still it's ridiculous. It's a little Does no
0: one get mugged in the wizarding world? <laughs> Apparently not. Like, man, if people are carrying that much around in their pockets.
1: That's a whole scenario. Because yeah. you gotta be like gotta be really sure of yourself to be a thief in the <laughs> magical world because everybody would have a wand. It's like every uh, I don't know. Uh, it'd be an interesting kind of thing. No. Another
0: thing to add to the schedule. <laughs> Pickpockets in the wizarding
1: world. Pickpockets, and essentially everybody has, like, a top-notch weapon, because everybody has a wand on them. Yeah. So it's like, you've got to really do your scouting and hope that it's... And with
0: all of the charms, you don't know if you're reaching into the pocket that has their money, or a pocket that has, like, a paraba in it.
1: And next time, we'll have (laughs) Julianne for wizard security systems. (laughs) That's... A whole topic <laughs> we can set aside. Uh, but we've gone really long on the non-spoiler section, so we'll stop it here, and we'll be right back with spoilers.
0: Kill the of Anakin.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to the spoiler section of Chapter 7, Bagman and Crouch. Uh, we wanted to start off the conversation speaking about the unspeakables from the Department of Mysteries, who were kind of just briefly mentioned and then Arthur tried to back away from that subject as fast as he could.
0: Yeah and I mean I love that when you reread um the books for whether it's the second time or the 22nd time that you pick up these little things that JK Rowling just kind of like throws in there as a little like foreshadowing breadcrumb of the like this is gonna sound a little familiar to you maybe. And then ends up turning into, like, something huge.
1: Yeah. The thing that I thought about most was there are some of these mentions of ministry officials we get that are, like, clearly they have a job to do. Like, the Obliviator has a job to do on poor Mr. Roberts, like, (laughs) repeatedly. Um, But do the Unspeakables have a job here, or are they just a ministry official that got tickets to this thing?
0: I mean, I'm guessing that they just have tickets although the weird part to me is that like knowing what we know about the department of mysteries which arguably isn't really much but um even later in the books it's not like we know all too much but um i'm surprised that there's not like a cover story for them
1: like are these like the cia fbi agents that's what i'm saying like
0: you know if you work undercover for the CIA, it's that you're a florist in New Jersey, not, oh yeah, he's an undercover agent for the CIA. So it seems weird that like, especially when Arthur obviously doesn't really want to talk about the Department of Mysteries, that he wouldn't just say like, Oh yeah, and they work in another department because I mean, think about how big the Ministry of Magic is. Like, you could easily be like, "Oh yeah, I know them, but I don't really know which department they work in."
1: Yeah, well, I think that's the thing. Is Unless I'm surprised. You're
0: Percy. Percy probably like read up the entire.
1: I'm sure he's done a book <laughs> report to himself about all of this. <laughs> um, I mean, but I'm more surprised, like you just said, about. Arthur even acknowledging that they're from the Department of Mysteries? Because that just begs more questions. Yeah. So just, yeah, say, oh, yeah, they're from the ministry. don't know which department they're from.
0: When you read about, like, how Arthur's talking about it, like, his kids aren't paying attention anyway. Mm -hmm. So when most of your crowd isn't paying attention, why not just say, like, oh, yeah, I may also work at the ministry with me. Because also, if you hear Department of Mysteries, who doesn't want to know what the mysteries are? (laughs) Right. Like, who hears that and is like, oh, yeah, well, that's another level of bureaucracy at work.
1: And then you just have... And you know you're in the presence of Harry, who generally asks questions about magic all the time anyway.
0: And gets into everything. You're telling him that there's a Department of Mysteries and you expect him to not be like, guys, I figured out what we're doing on Tuesday.
1: But as we've noted on many occasions, he will promptly forget about the Department of Mysteries. (laughs) Until it becomes relevant in about a book and a half. And so.
0: then he won't remember it, and somebody else will tell him about it, and he'll go, what is that?
1: Yeah. Yep. That's how that'll work.
0: And then he'll say, hey, you want to know what we're doing Tuesday? Breaking into the Department of Mysteries.
1: So we've we talked a lot about uh, Cedric Diggory to this point. Especially you and I have talked a lot about yes, Cedric Yes, we Diggory. have. <laughs> uh, but we get another member of what will become the fearsome foursome of the Triwizard Tournament? <laughs> uh, Victor Krum. We get we get Victor Krum mentioned yeah. for the first time in this chapter, and clearly he's an uber athletic, uh, literal Brooding. literal poster boy for, for <laughs> Bulgaria. So I mean he is the poster child for this this team and this nation. Uh, it's we spent last. Chapter talking about Cedric Diggory being, like, living up to expectations and being this golden child. Mm -hmm. You're smart, you're athletic, you're handsome, you're supposed to be everything. This Victor Crumb seems to be literally all of that on a professional (laughs) level already.
0: Except the best part is is no one actually knows his age. (laughs) 18-ish. Yeah, Ron's like 18-ish. Well, you'll find out in uh, a couple of months that...
1: (laughs) More like seventeen-ish, or he skipped a year. Like, <laughs> like doesn't that seem a little
0: weird that, like, he's like the youngest professional seeker in history, and it's not a.
1: I feel like Hermione would know that exact age, Ron. When has he ever been a stickler for details? But
0: okay, but about Quidditch. That's
1: fair. That's fair. That's very true. Yeah, he um... bought
0: a life-like <laughs> action figure of the guy.
1: <laughs> How awkward would that be if? Crumb actually walked in on Ron with the figure at some point. Yeah. That'd be a little weird moment, but <laughs> what have you. I could see like Crumb getting along with Charlie like, yeah. quite a bit. Um, and obviously he ends up getting along famously with, with Harry.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, um, and I keep teasing this. One of these days I'm going to do it, but I keep teasing the, the 2014 World uh, Cup, Quidditch Cup um, factoids that I have. And there's some there's some Crumb knowledge in that, teasing it. Uh, but anyway, uh, so we get some we get some Victor Crumb uh, mentions. We get some Cho mentions too. Uh, Whatever. She kind of plays a role in this book. There's
0: a reason her and Cedric dated. That's mm. all I'm saying.
1: He's very handsome. She's very pretty. <laughs> At that age, that's literally all you need.
0: Neither of them are actually great people. <sighs> That's a fight big, me, Dan. That's
1: a big side. <laughs> we can fight all day long on Cedric. We can have a conversation on show at some point. I'd, I'll take that conversation. The
0: worst. Worse than Cedric.
1: Well, yeah, worse than Cedric, of course. I'm just saying, coming from me,
0: I'm not really team Cedric. But Cho Chang, like, nope.
1: We'll have some, we'll have hey, some nope. conversations on show <laughs> going forward. But she is mentioned here, and Harry once again sees her and fawns immediately. Uh, so there's that. But um, what else do we have for spoilers? Oh, the wizard Tournament as yes. a whole.
0: The first, like, rumblings of it.
1: Well, we've met three of the eventual participants <laughs> in it. Um, well, I guess we haven't technically met Crumb, but he's obviously featured quite a bit in this Listen, chapter.
0: we've met his face on a poster yep. and the the, figurine. the walking action figure.
1: The brooding... Uh, Irish-hating yeah. from, um, But yeah, the, it's, it's an interesting dynamic heading for the Quidditch World Cup. It's... Or towards the Triwizard Tournament, I mean. Uh, and it, I love the Triwizard Tournament for so many different reasons. Again, I'm a big sport guy, so I like the competition of it. And the idea of, like, a magical Olympics, which is essentially what this is, yeah. is really interesting. And the I don't know. I just like the different backgrounds and the different magical styles that you see in it too.
0: And that all of them almost die.
1: Yep. Well, I mean so
0: (laughs) Again, we get like I feel like we end up talking about this in every single book of like the reason that it that the Tri Wizard tournament kinda like got pushed aside was because these children are participating in events that are actually lethal. And like, parents are signing off on this.
1: Couple of questions involving that. One, is there an adult version of the Triwizard? Like,
0: tournament? I, I wouldn't think so because they said that the whole point was to have unity between the schools and to have almost like a friendly rivalry, so like-
1: So you don't think there's like an adult wizard Olympics
0: Oh, I'm sure there's an Adult Wizard Olympics. I just don't think it's the same as the Triwizard Called
1: tournament. the Triwizard Tournament. Right? Yeah, yeah. Also, it's Triwizard Tournament, which by because definition means three.
0: Three schools.
1: But three-ish why are
0: those, ish champions.
1: <laughs> why are those the three? I get that they're all European. Yeah. They're all, and according to that graphic that I referenced earlier, all three of those schools represent essentially the entirety of Europe.
0: Yeah. I wonder if it's just that the headmasters knew each other or like communicated with each other or if it's you know maybe traveling that far is expensive so
1: they couldn't include people in european union style like hey we're just gonna have an all europe tournament here exactly i guess (laughs) it'd be interesting to get other schools involved though it'd be interesting to get like an american school involved or uh an asian or middle eastern school involved just for the variety of magic that you might but be able to then
0: it is no longer the triwizard tournament
1: no then you get my olympics idea which <laughs> i now
0: really 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 want to see but
1: i digress but so. anyway yeah it's <clears throat> it's a really cool matchup and uh it's one of the parts that has endeared this book to me like i yeah. love this book for the quidditch world cup and the triwizard tournament and it's such cool ideas it's so unique also, I'm looking at the cover now of Goblet of Fire, and it's like, they really give it away right off the bat. Because, I mean, you get Harry front and center, you have Cedric and Crumb featured, and we haven't met the, the fourth member of the cover yet. Yeah. But it's like all up, up front on you. We even get a hooded figure there, we get what I'm assuming is Sirius peering over Harry's shoulder. <laughs> it's an interesting cover. Because, you know, as, as we get these covers when we first got the books, you try to figure out the plot
0: yeah or you like look at them and you're like I don't know who those people are and I feel like even reading the book for like the very first time now like I don't know about you but like when I first read these books like as they were coming out it would literally be my mom would buy it from work and I would wait like on our back porch for my mom to come home. And I would like call her during her work day and be like, is my book okay? And when she would come home, I would literally like run to the car, grab the book and essentially like lock myself in my bedroom until I was done with the book. Like, you know, maybe like two hours of sleep tops. So there was no part of me that was like reading the book and then was like, that's who's on the cover. I feel like now going back, I'm like, oh, yeah, duh. Obviously, that's who who's on the cover. But, I was, like, I, I don't think you. I even, like, thought about I
1: it. I never thought about it until literally doing this. Yeah. And then I looked at it, and I'm like, wow, they really just put that kind of front and center who the four main protagonists are in yeah, this. because
0: I feel like when we first got the books, like, when they were actually, like, released, it was a... You didn't even, like, think about the cover, really. You were so obsessed with, like reading the book, finding out what happened, and then you were like, oh, look, Harry Potter is in, like, a coppery orange this time. That's nice.
1: You know what even blows my mind looking at the cover of of this book is you get Harry, obviously, featured prominently, but the one that impacts the story going forward the most after this book is, like, tucked away in the corner. Yep. And we we haven't even met her yet in Florida. (laughs) Yep. Like, she comes back around later. Like obviously Cedric has his you know unfortunate uh, unfortunate ending to this book, and I guess Crumb does come back later, but not as a, a, a prominent yeah, he's character.
0: Just, just kind there. of there, he's so present. that we all know that he's still there.
1: Yeah, essentially. But no, I just noticed that as I was looking at the cover again. Oh, he's holding the egg too. I just noticed yes. that for the first time too. <laughs> I just noticed that. Oh, Did you also
0: notice that they're in the maze?
1: That I that oh, I had okay.
0: just just making sure. That I,
1: but I never noticed that the egg. I just thought that was a.
0: <laughs> space.
1: I don't know. Well, there you go. There you have it. But um, I think it's so stuff interesting
0: to... that like, they start bringing up that the Goblet of Fire is coming back. They don't actually talk about it, but it seems like the entire Ministry knows that it's coming back.
1: It's I mean, of course he
0: knows. Percy's, like, the underling of the ministry right now.
1: Well, just like the Quidditch World Cup, there's a lot of prep that has to go into Mm -hmm. that, I imagine. Do you think Dumbledore has to, like, get parent permissions to have this thing?
0: I'm sure that... We've talked about... Parents and students at Hogwarts. If you before, need a permission
1: slip to go to Hogsmeade. <laughs> how do you not need a permission slip to participate in this deadly tournament?
0: Okay, you're not leaving campus when you participate.
1: <laughs> well, also they they make certain that it's also you have to be 17. You have to be technically an adult, right? Yeah.
0: To so that's my guess is that you don't need the permission slip because you're, you're technically as an adult, an adult so you can make the choice on your own. Yeah. But, like, can we take a brief moment to talk about how awful it must be to be a parent in the wizarding world? (laughs) Like, you're sending your kid to, like, Hogwarts, where every year, like, somebody dies or somebody almost dies. Not to mention when I was reading earlier of, like, you know, the little, like, child witches and wizards Mm -hmm. who are, like, floating on this, like, hovering broomstick or stealing wands and exploding slugs. And, like, listen, My son's a year and a half, and I cannot fathom if he was able to, like, perform magic. I am already exhausted (laughs) mentally and physically enough, like, chasing around him, Mm -hmm. the tornado that is him. I can't imagine if you also were like, here's a hovering broomstick. Oh, and instead of stealing your mom's phone out of her pocket that, like, you don't actually do anything with. You're taking a wand that can literally blow things up. I feel like I'd spend 90% of my day undoing things that he didn't know he was doing.
1: It's one thing if you yourself are a witch and familiar with what might happen. <laughs> if you were a muggle, oh you'd think you were going absolutely insane.
0: You'd probably actually go insane if you were a witch or a wizard, even if you know that it's coming. Like. Imagine if you weren't good at undoing spells and then you have a kid and most of your time is like, oh god, they got the wand. Okay, or, how do we turn our house back into a house from the button he turned it into?
1: <laughs> Imagine this scenario. You are married, you're having your first kid, and kid starts to be magical and that's when your spouse drops on you like, oh, by the way, this. <laughs>
0: You're still cool being a stay-at-home parent, right?
1: <laughs> well, now you're, you know, it's easier for your son or daughter to do chores because they could just magically do it instead, They right? can't
0: magically do it, though. It's illegal. <laughs> um, because there wouldn't be a wizard in the household that they could, like, blame if, it on. If
1: you're muggle-born, yes. If you have split. If yeah. you're split, you can maybe get away it. <laughs> but, Yeah. Yeah. I I also am unsure of how exactly those rules work. Like, if muggle grandma comes over, do you still have to hide it from grandma that you're a witch or a wizard? How does that work?
0: I wouldn't think so, because, like, Hermione's parents know that she's a witch. Until she... Do her grandparents
1: know that, though? It's like her parents have to know.
0: Yeah. But, like, I feel like, to some extent, they have to have something that, like covers the bases because otherwise like how do you randomly say like hey my kid's been in school but now we decide to send him to boarding school right that we can't visit ever and no she can't tell you about the book reports she's doing or what's happening in school
1: (laughs) it is messed up
0: or imagine finding out that like your kid gets picked as like the champion for their school in the in the triwizard tournament and they're like oh yeah now they're gonna go up against a dragon.
1: Can you imagine that, Trying to explain that to family and friends. Yeah, my uh, son actually uh, died at school this year. Um, sporting accident? <laughs> like yeah. I don't know. A
0: sporting accident that involved fire. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that'd be a that'd be a tough sell. But yeah, I, I just wonder if Dumbledore has to get like. Some sort of extra permit. I'm sure Madame Pomfrey was like, can we not do this?
0: If there was anyone in that school who was like, nope, absolutely not.
1: Imagine Trelawney spinning out the like, (laughs) oh, you thought it was weird having a first year or a third year die last year. Well, now.
0: (laughs) Trelawney's like, let's pour some tea, everybody.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is my time. My time to shine. Uh, well on that note do you have anything <laughs> else for the spoilers section
0: I think that's it
1: I think that's it so with that we'll leave it here uh, let us know your thoughts on everything we've talked about would you make a bet with Ludo Bagman who knows
0: probably not I'm not a betting person Dan
1: <laughs> I'm a sports betting person but I would again feel weird about betting with the organizer of the event
0: I'd ask who I feel he, he bet where he put his money and I put my money where his money was fair enough
1: Let us know. (laughs) Let us know what you guys think. We will see you on the next chapter when we actually get to the Quidditch World Cup. Woo! Amazing. Uh, We will see you then. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwartsapod.